So we can, you know, we're listening to hear if we hear a prohibited transaction so we can steer you away from it. But it is the account holder's responsibility entirely not uh, to commit a, a prohibited transaction. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome to another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It podcast. I am your host, Marta Seslak, and I am very excited to have a very, very, very special guest with us today. Her name is Karen Hall, and she has um, she is the CEO of UDirect IRA, and we'll, we'll go into that in a second. Uh, but she comes to us with uh, 20 years of experience in the mortgage banking, real estate, and property management industry, uh, whereby she leveraged that experience to create her self-directed uh, IRA company called UDirect IRA. Uh, and she's to date, she's helped guide tens of thousands of Americans through the process of diversifying their investments using self-directed IRAs. So very, very excited to get into that story. We'd love to hear, Karin, a little bit about you and your journey and um, what got you to where you are today. Wonderful. Hey, Marta, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your, on your show. This is, this is really wonderful. Love to inspire people. Yeah. So, Karin, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and... And then I'd love to kind of pepper you with questions about um, your company, uh, UDirect IRA. Wonderful. Well, my background, um, you know, my professional background, when I was in college, I was a radio announcer, you know, and I, and I did that. And then I uh, actually got a job at a radio station and I ended up being in radio for 17 years in Flagstaff and Phoenix and Seattle and uh, where else? L.A. and Dallas and Las Vegas and all over. So I did that for a while. That was super fun. And that was nice while I was in my 20s and 30s. And then I that decided I needed to make money. <laughs> so I got <laughs> into real estate. So, you know, simultaneously. And then uh, I, I started in mortgage loan servicing. And the reason I did was because I was a trailing spouse then. My um, uh, then husband, my ex-husband, was getting promoted and transferred around the country. That's one of the reasons why I bounced around. And and so he, when he would get a new position, well, that was something that I could do. And, you know, mortgage loan servicing. And I did that in several states. So love that. It was really fun. In fact, it's a lot like UDirect IRA. It's we're servicing accounts. You know, that's what we did. And so, I, so that really gave me a lot of training. Then I got into mortgage loan origination uh, 24 years ago when I moved to California. And that's where I am now. And that has been, then at Mortgage Loan Origination is, it's a tough business. It's fun. And, and there's a lot of great things about it. And uh, the, yeah, I learned so much, just grew so much as a professional through that. And then we had the recession. I'm sure you remember, we all 
have this painful memory in our hearts about the recession. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're older than like 18, you know. And, <laughs> right. And so during the recession, I needed a, a J-O-B, you know, a, a real job. And so I asked a friend of mine, she goes, well, I know these people that are starting a self-directed IRA office in Orange County, California, which is where I live. And I said, and so she recommended me and they hired me. And they said, we want you to open 50 accounts a quarter. And I said, yay, I could do that. I opened 50 accounts a month and thought I, I, you know, and then after a couple of years of doing that, I opened UDirect IRA services. So that was in 2009. And wow, what a great time to start a company doing what we do, you know? And the reason is because in 2009, nobody really knew what a self-directed IRA was. And we filled this, this niche of what was desperately needed in the market, and that was capital. You know, in those times, you couldn't get a loan from banks. Banks were really tight on lending, and they were normally you can have 10 investment properties, you know, still get a mortgage, was down to six, and anyway, money was tight. And that's when people discovered, I think, really self-directed IRAs, because wow, like today it's a $40 trillion pool of funds, not just IRAs, I mean, all retirement together equals about 40 trillion. And you can use that money for your deals. So people found this out, the investor community, the real estate investor community found out and, and it was a great time. It was a really great time to start this company. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me the, the connection between what you were doing prior to self-directed IRAs and then this transition into the self-directed IRA world. Yeah, well, right. So with, with self-directed IRAs, I mean, it's, um, it's a say it's sales. So we do, we provide, we do sales. And so I was um, also with my radio background, being able to present, I was able to go out and, and do public speaking. And with, well, you don't sell someone a self-directed IRA, you know, it's not like, Oh, you wake up in the morning. Oh, I need to self-direct today. It's not like <laughs> you, you just teach people, Hey, here's a tool you can use. If you need it, we provided a you know great service, low fees kind of thing. And, but there was, especially in 2009, such a thirst for education. So that was that. So those skills worked in perfectly well. And then when uh, people were bringing their deals to us, everyone I hire pretty much has a background in real estate of some sort. So they understand the underlying asset. They understand the jargon. Um, they understand the timing and usually the urgency that exists in real estate investing. And I'll even though we have different kinds of assets, almost uh, like 90% are tied to real estate, I would say. So we have a staff that, that has that knowledge. And so my knowledge of mortgage lending, by the way, I'd been a realtor. I'd done property management as well during that time, during the whole, the whole mix. And I even had an insurance license, you know, a life and health license, right? I did at the time. Obviously, I'm doing this and not that. <laughs> so... Right, right. So I, I was able to learn a lot about financial services and, and everything comes into, you know, customer service, sales, product awareness, um, and, and just being helpful and knowing how to get things done. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, okay. So you, you started this self-directed IRA company and you're just knocking it out of the park in the first month. Okay. And then like what goes through your head whereby you know, that transitions you into being an entrepreneur. Like, I'm so curious to understand, like, what went on in your head when you were like, I'm going to do this on my own. 
Well, I mean, the fact I got fired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, even though I was doing a great job. And I think I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I always, I'm the oldest and I like to take charge of things. And so I think, am I bossy? Yeah. And now I get to do it for a living. <laughs> so, so it helps, you know, it's one of my skills. Um, I think I've always been an entrepreneur and the ability to do this on my own and having the skills, it's crazy how it all came together at the same time. But every again, what, every one of the skills I've ever cultivated has resulted in, in the skills that I use. In fact, when I was very, very first out of college, I, or maybe it was even, you know, in the summers in between, I worked for a CPA firm and just, I was like, you know, 23, 24, I would do secretarial work, like, like, you know, um, for a CPA. And so I learned a lot of the jargon. I learned about tax extensions. I learned about a lot about tax at that time. So even that, that background, and, and also I learned how to file things. And I mean, literally everything I've ever done goes into this, goes into being a self-directed IRA administrator. It really does. Huh. That's so interesting. Um, tell me like when, so when you, when you were making the transition from working for someone to working for yourself, what were some of those, I guess, like, did you have any fears of going off on your own or was it just super <laughs> to make that leap? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, and to double on that one. Yes. Yes. It's, it's scary. I mean, when you're, it's the burn all the ships sort of thing, right? I mean, their only way to go is forward because you don't have anything back here. It was, was a recession. I couldn't get a job in the mortgage industry during the, the mortgage meltdown. I couldn't get a job in real estate because, you know, it was a mess, right? The, the subprime meltdown and, and it was just, it was nuts. And so, and I also, I live in Orange County, not Los Angeles. So there are no radio jobs in Orange County. So I really had no way forward, but this, I thought, well, okay, I can make this happen. And I had cultivated enough relationships that, uh, and when people found out that I was fired, a lot of people came to my aid. And it's like, oh, Karen, come here. We'll help you come speak to our group. And I had a lot of loving and awesome support from amazing people. Thank goodness for those great, great people who were so kind. And I spoke at a lot of real estate investment clubs and it just was like a, a snowball. At first I opened one account and I had $50 like, wow, I have $50. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, seriously, I mean, you start small, but uh, it just all lined up that that was okay at the time. And I had other things that, you know, that I was, well, you know, like unemployment, blah, blah, blah. That, that was nuts. So, I mean, that first time was, yeah, I mean, there was no firm ground under my feet. But I'll tell you what, nothing gets you moving than, than the need to make things happen. Because at the same time, I have two children. And so I have two children and a mortgage. And I, this has got to happen. So there was no stopping me. And for a solid 10 years, I went to all the real estate investment clubs in Southern California regularly. And I'm friends with, with the people who own those, you know, the, and run those groups. And just pushed and pushed and worked really hard. Have, I've, one of the things I love doing too is is the networking party. So just a lot of networking and and just everything I could think of I would do. Yeah, awesome, awesome. What do you think mostly contributed to your success um, in in going out and doing your own endeavor? 
I mean, at first it was just the need to support my family. Right. And, and, but, but I really enjoy it. I mean, I, I am kind of like an introverted extrovert. I really love being around people. And my, the thing I really love is saying, Hey, Marta, I have this friend. You should meet my friend. And then because you do this and they do that. And I love putting people together and I've always been good at that. And so that is another reason why I like going out and networking and introducing people to one another where there's synergy. And so that's just something I've always, uh, I've always enjoyed. And so I, I do that quite a bit. In fact, we're having, you know, we always have in, you know, events. So if you look on the UDirect website, our calendar, we have events from time to time that are um, outdoor networking kinds of things in Orange County. Very cool. And I, I can attest to that, actually, because I met you at the Bigger Pockets Conference, and uh, I wasn't really necessarily feeling going out to a nightclub, but we sparked a conversation at the bar, and the rest is history. Uh, we ended up Yeah, we kept talking. bumping into each other, like, you know, in, in the line and in the hallway and then in the elevator, and then, then you were sitting at the bar. It's like, hey, let's be friends. So... That worked out great. We had that was fun. I had such a fun time chatting with you. So yeah, I can tell you're yeah. a really great networker and uh, connector of folks. Awesome. I do want to back up actually because I'm not sure that everyone knows what a self-directed IRA is, and I myself am okay. learning about self-directed IRAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can share more about that in a second. But I do want you to share with us. What is a self-directed IRA? How does it work? And when would someone need to use one? Well, first off, there's an IRA, you know, an individual retirement arrangement. And by the way, I'm sorry if it's just really dark here, you know, sorry, I'm kind of in a cave, (laughs) my office. But uh, anyways, are we good? All right. Well, an IRA is an IRA. And so that's called an individual retirement arrangement. And IRAs were formed in 1975 when then-President Gerald Ford signed the ERISA law into effect. The Employment Employment Retirement Income Security Act, 1975, created IRAs. So ever since IRAs have existed, you've been able to self-direct them. Self-directed IRAs aren't different than regular IRAs. It's the same thing. But what differs is the kind of asset you can put in it. So... For a typical IRA that's done by a financial, that's you know handled by a financial advisor who's got a license, they're not licensed to represent you investing in alternative assets. That's not their area of speciality. A self-directed IRA is an alternative asset, and it's self-directed because you, in this case, are coming in as the asset specialist. You're saying, this is what I want to invest in. We're not advising you or telling you what's best for you. You're coming in with this alternative asset. And we help you take it, use your retirement dollars to acquire it. Like I know, Marty, you know a lot about real estate. So getting into real estate using an IRA would be perfect for you because you understand how it works. And who has never, you know, lived in a dwelling? We've all lived in a, you know, in a dwelling. And and this is the most normal thing to everybody. And when you can find deals and you can take them down with a self-directed IRA, that's great. Now, sometimes another way to do this, too, if, Tell me if I'm getting off topic here, but another way to do this uh, with the self-directed IRA is to get into uh, private equity. It's also called Reg D offerings, private placements, private equity. What else is it called? Even crowdfunding, Reg A, B, C, and D, you know, these kind of SEC approved kinds of offerings. 
those are usually a way to raise capital to acquire real estate. So your IRA or solo 401k could be an equity or debt partner in a, in a situation like that. Your IRA could make a loan or your IRA could become an equity partner in a deal like that if you're an accredited investor. So that's another way that IRAs get involved in real estate without actually owning brick and mortar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so to that point, you know, I think a few years back when I was not exploring or learning about real estate, how it all worked and was not connected to some really great operators out there that put together these, these real estate funds that you can invest in. There's no way I would have ever considered, uh, you know, a self-directed IRA. But now that I know more, I have a better understanding. I trust some of the operators that I've been kind of researching for a while now, watching their deals um, go full cycle and understand their distributions, et cetera. Now I'm like, okay, now I'm ready for a self-directed IRA because I can make my own choices on what to invest in. And I feel comfortable with that, right? Because um, you guys actually don't advise your clients on the types of investments where you put your money right. into, right? You're just essentially holding this bucket of money and then deploying it to wherever your clients tell you to. Exactly. It's sort of like when you go to buy a house and you go to escrow. Escrow doesn't tell you if you bought a good or bad house. They don't tell you how to write off the house on your taxes. You know, they, you just give them a house, they go, great. And they move it from where it is owned by somebody else to owned by you. And that's kind of what we do too in the self-directed IRA world. We administrate just like an escrow company would administrate a deal, getting the money from here to there. And so you go from not owning it to owning it. Now, of course, we don't provide any documentation or contracts like an escrow company might. But we do, you know, review the deal, not to see if it's a good investment, but to make sure that we're going to give it a cursory look to see if there's a prohibited transaction. So we probably should talk about that if you like. Sure. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Prohibited transit. So with self-directed IRAs, it's, it, you just have to realize straight up, it's not like investing your private money. When you're investing your own private money, you can invest with anybody, you know, in any time. And that's fine. When it's IRA money, there are some rules and it's really a game of keep away. It's not really what to do. It's more like what not to do. And you want to keep away from prohibited transactions, which basically means keep the deal arm's length, okay? Arm's length from disallowed people, your lineal ascendants and descendants, parents and grandparents, yourself and your spouse, and your children and your grandchildren and their spouses disallowed to the IRA. But, you know, certain family members are not disallowed, like your brothers and sisters and your aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews, they can work with your deal. And I'll explain what that looks like. Also, a prohibited transaction is if one of these disallowed people, including yourself, offers services to the plan. So if you want to say, hey, my dad has this great private equity offering and I want to in my IRA to invest in that, can't do it. Your father has a controlling interest in this asset. Your father's a disallowed person. Therefore, your IRA investing in your dad's deal would be disallowed and would be prohibited. Okay. And so your IRA does not, you don't like buy a house from your parents. You don't sell a house to your kids. You don't live in the house your IRA owns. You can't have any personal use. There's no personal benefit, uh, even indirect benefit. And what that is, is you don't take your IRA money, put it in your LLC, and then have your LLC give you the money. 
You know, if you can't do it directly, you can't do it indirectly. That, so, that is all right, there's a rule. So what happens? Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so if you commit a prohibited transaction, like what happens? First off, it's not common for the IRS to really call you on a prohibited transaction. In my 15 plus years of experience, you know, I have to count the years it's around there. Um, I've only seen maybe a handful of real prohibited transactions where the IRS was involved. But a lot of times if we see a prohibited transaction, we'll say, hey, look, you, you know, before you fund the deal, if we see it's prohibited, we'll tell you. But the onus is on the account holder to make sure they don't commit a prohibited transaction. But hey, a lot of the account holders like you, they did they don't know what that is. So that's why we offer at least a 20 minute consultation for everyone. Hey, talk to us, tell us about your deal, who are the principals, who's involved, who's gonna, if it's real estate, who's gonna live there, who's gonna control it. So we can, you know, we're listening to hear if we hear a prohibited transaction, so we can steer you away from it. But it is the account holder's responsibility entirely not uh, to commit a, a prohibited transaction. Interesting. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, to that point, I, I'm curious, um, when people are evaluating self-directed IRAs, what should they be looking out for and asking questions around? I mean, does every self-directed IRA provide that 20-minute consultation on your investment, or is that very typical to your company? Can you share a little bit more about what to look out for? I think any self-directed IRA company would talk to you. I mean, um, but the complaints I hear about other companies is uh, the large companies, maybe that they have to wait online or they don't get to talk to the same person twice. And, and you know, we're, we're a great kind of size where we assign a transaction coordinator to every person once the deal is going. So you're talking to the same person throughout the whole deal. There's nothing like getting into a deal and then having to uh, start from scratch and explain it to a brand new person from this is what happened and this is where we are, you know? Uh, so we have this, but, um, but yes, I mean, I think all self-directed IRA companies will talk to you, but our, and our fees are very low. We have a $50 setup fee. If I can do a little commercial, you know, we have a $275 flat fee <laughs> And that's annual, regardless of the number of assets, regardless of their value. So it's not like a flat fee plus an add-on if you have a note, nothing like that. It's a flat fee. And our fees are just incredibly reasonable. And uh, we have, you know, we have just under a billion dollars under management. So we have self-directed, we've helped quite a number of people self-direct, thousands. Very cool. Yeah, I um, there's a, UDirect IRA is on, I want to say Investopedia. And there's a little comparison yeah. chart and you guys by far come in. I want to say the lowest with all the fees, which is great. Um, yeah. I mean, we believe our account holders deserve more of their return on investment. And while we're still with thousands of accounts, we're doing fine. Yeah. Amazing. What other aspects of a self-directed IRA are important to think about when you're first starting out with, with a company? I think any company that I know of is probably reputable. So I think, you know, but you, you just want to Google them first. You know, I would say any, anything you do goes to due diligence, but, and, and that's really the, the, really the tip of the iceberg about what you should do when you have a self-directed IRA. Um, the biggest thing you need to do is you need to do the due diligence on your asset. Like we were just talking about private equity, right? 
So with private equity, um, search the names of the asset sponsors. Now, there are sites like FINRA, F-I-N-R-A, which is the enforcement arm of the, the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission. So FINRA, the SEC, and then NASA, National Association of State and something, something. <laughs> it's like NASA with an extra A. I, and even <laughs> AARP, they all have, uh, you can go on their site and they have ways to search for bad actors in the securities world, which would be, you know, high dollar notes and um, like ABC and D offerings. So you first you want to make sure in private equity that your asset sponsor is legit. We had one account holder open an account, huge account for an IRA, you know, because the contribution limits limit how much you can put in. She was going to invest in, get this in real estate and make a half a million dollar unsecured note on real estate, you know, no. So first off, a note that big should be, you know, should be registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission in the state wasn't, but she didn't, she didn't do her due diligence. If she would have gone online, Googled the, those people's name, she would have seen there were, there were two guys involved in this. She would have seen that one of them was actually jailed, like incarcerated for stealing millions of dollars from investors. So it is so, so when you've got the internet, my gosh, you've got like the Oracle of all human knowledge. Just right. look it up, you know, you want to yeah. so do at least that for yourself. But really the number one thing is due diligence. So you get into a private equity deal and then you, what you want to do, your due diligence doesn't stop. You want to make sure that you understand that agreement enough to know that are they performing as they promised? Are they getting, are they being audited? Uh, do they have audited financials? Can you view those audited financials? Make sure that if it says like, you know, the name of a, of, of a big four, you know, accounting firm doing that's doing their auditing, call that big four auditing firm and say, hey, did you do, did, you know, I just want to make sure you really did this audit. Little due diligence tips like that can prevent you from, or at least give you a red flag if you're involved in a Ponzi, which is robbing Peter to pay Paul. You know, you take the new money and use it to pay the existing clients. That happens a lot in, in private equity, but it only happens, it, 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 people don't usually start off wanting to do that. That's something that usually um, happens because, I don't know, pride or something like that. But that, that does happen. So you need to make sure that you're investing with reputable people. Right, right. Yep. And yeah, that due diligence is so key. Um, I have a question for you about another type of investment that um, might be appropriate for a self-directed IRA, and that's um, a business acquisition. Can you uh, say a little bit more about that investing path? Yes, um, I would not use a self-directed IRA to invest in a business that I want to own. I wouldn't do that because one, I own the business, so I'm disallowed to the IRA. So I wouldn't be able to operate it or go there or use the services. I could only hire third parties to run it for me. I, it would have to be arm's length and that's not very attractive to any entrepreneur. And also if my IRA were to invest in an active business, I would owe a special tax called UBIT, unrelated business income tax. So that is not usually a path that people go down to invest in their own companies, but like you tell me, hey, I'm opening a company. I think, oh, great. I know Marta. I love her. And so, you know, and I and I read your prospectus and I read your business plan. I think that sounds good. And if, and if I wanted to invest, my IRA could invest in your business as a debtor equity partner. Uh, right. Gotcha. And then your business would pay my IRA uh, the return, the agreed return. Gotcha. Gotcha. Kind of a grassroots way of helping each other with our businesses and 
and, you know, building things up. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then last question on, on self-directed IRAs here. Um, what are your thoughts on, um, when to put the money into the account? So let's say you're still exploring the exact investment or waiting for the investment to come up in terms of timing, do you put the money in, just let it sit there until you're ready to deploy it? Or how, how do you think about the timing of all of that? Usually, I mean, I, I believe that you should fund the open the account and fund it. So when you find a deal, you can pull the trigger and you don't have to wait two weeks for a third party to get your money over. I don't know if anyone can time the market because we really don't have a crystal ball. And market goes up and down every day. I mean, it's it's a real roller coaster. But I know that in 2008, we had a lot of account holders who were super glad they had their money sitting as idle cash in a self-directed IRA, and, and they didn't just lose 40% in the market. You know, so so that happens too. So it, it's it's entirely up to the individual and their individual sense of what they want to do. But I think if you want to use a self-directed IRA to acquire an asset and you're in the business of looking for that asset, if you want to be able to jump on it when it when it comes to you, it's your account should be funded to avoid delays. Gotcha. That's very helpful. Awesome. Well, um, any key lessons that you, you want to share with the listeners here um, about really anything, business, life in general, professional, personal, anything? Yeah, sure. I think I think one thing about being an entrepreneur is it's kind of lonely because in the sense that like here, I've got a staff of people, but when there are issues that, that I am struggling with regarding the business, I need to understand something or, you know, just having a challenge. I'm not really going to go to my employees and discuss that challenge. Right. So what's really always helped me is being involved in a mastermind. So for years I was in Vistage. Now I'm in another kind of CEO group called Convene and talking to other CEOs who have similar and I mean, all, you know, it turns out all businesses are the same because it all boils down to working with people and it all seems to boil down to people skills. But like I can go into the, into one of these mastermind meetings thinking I have a huge problem and somebody will sit there telling me the, they'll tell us about their problem. It's like, wow, I have no problem at all. Like I'll take my problems any day. And, (laughs) and, and you can provide help and support to other people and they help provide help and support to you. And you just put things in perspective and you start to realize that being an entrepreneur is a wild ride. There's just, you just, it's, you know, and you're in charge. And so, so the buck stops with you and, and uh, you know, and that's a, a, a place where I feel comfortable. And I especially enjoy having peers who also enjoy that, you know, have, have been going through the, the journey and, People who've been doing this longer than I have, people that haven't been doing this as long as I have, have advice and, and experience to share that's super helpful. So I think getting into a peer group is is, is really a, a, one of the pillars of strength for my business. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so key, right, is surrounding yourself with people that um, can help to support you in in the place where you're at, right? And yeah, so yeah. huge. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what like, what's next for Karen Hall and <laughs> 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 Well, I 
well, you know, these IRAs won't direct themselves, so I better stick around, right? No, <laughs> that's my favorite joke. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, obviously I'm just, you know, just a young pup, right? No, one day I'll retire. Um, but that, that day isn't today. That day is in the long distant horizon. But in the meantime, I have built my staff up, after, you know, over 14 years to have the ability to get away from time to time and do things like go speak at GoBundance where I met you, you know, and I'll be at GoBundance in in Orlando coming up in 2023 in October. So that's exciting. And the ability gives me the ability to travel and, and to do things like that. But I, I don't have any other plan. I mean, what's next? It's it's this, you know, this is what I do. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then is there anything that you need from the audience? And if, if you have, uh, you know, what's the best way to contact you and, and get in touch with you? Right. Well, I mean, what I have is a need to help people who want to self-direct their retirement accounts and they want to invest in alternative assets. That's, that's the thing that we do, you know, all day long. And if you've got questions, we're here to answer the questions. And so we're here to be of service, right? And if you want to reach us, you can get us at, at info at you direct here above my head, you direct com. So the letter U, you direct com, And uh, we're very happy to help. Awesome. Well, this has so been so insightful and amazing to, to speak with you today, Karen. You're just a wealth of information um, in this space. And for anyone that is considering um, doing investing through a self-directed IRA, I highly recommend connecting with Karen. Um, and thank you for being the, the sort of like the connector of all connectors um, and, and always <laughs> thinking about how people can help each other. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, so thank you again for, for being on the show and um, best of luck uh, in the future here. And thanks. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.